Open up your Bibles with me to John chapter 4. I'm glad you all came tonight because there are some people of the church here. If you're here, can you say hi? Hi. There you go. We are in the church, having church, because we the church. We're having church, we're in the church, because we the church. <laughs> Nursery rhymes for adults. Turn with me to John chapter 4. You see what I'm saying? You, you try to bring them to church to believe in God, and I don't think that nursery rhyme is going to help them, you know? That's why the only thing that's going to do it is the Word of God, preaching the Word of God. When we worship God, you can, by the way, guys, I worship God more intently, more crazy. I think one day I'm going to have to break out in how I worship God in private uh, out here in front of y'all. When I'm worshiping God in private, I'm, I'm like waving banners around. I'm spinning around. And I think if I just did that right here, y'all would just not worship God. You'd just look at me and be like, that dude is crazy. But listen to me, man. I worship God wherever I go. I worship God in my car. How many of some car worshipers right here? Like you in the car, you feeling Jesus, speaking in tongues, and people looking at you crazy, but you don't care. You're just raising your hands up. Come on. You know what I'm talking about. Now, I don't ride the train or the bus, but do we have any public transportation praisers here? You just got the headphones on and the person looking at you and you don't care. You just start to lift, lift up your hands and let out a little hallelujah. Yabababa. Little tongues. That one was for you. You ever do that? You ever just worship God crazy? Man, I worship God. And I'm going to tell you why I worship God. Do you know why? Because he's worthy of it. How many people see and hear others worshiping the devil? Oh, now let me help you out for those that don't know how the devil goes. It goes like... And that's all you hear as it drives past your house and it rattles your windows and the base. And, and all they're talking about is sex, money, and drugs. Why? Because I, I used to listen to it. I know about Pitbull, T.I., P. Diddy, you know, Tupac, all them. You know what? You may not think you're worshiping the devil, but listen to this pastor. You worship in the devil because your songs are not going to God. Your songs are about things on this earth. You're worshiping money. You're worshiping the booty. Yes, I said the booty. You worship in the booty. I'm talking about it. You worship in sex. Now, we love songs. Most everybody loves to sing some type of song. And most people are like me and cannot sing a note if they were to save their life. And they still love to sing. You'll hear them at work. You'll hear them on the bus, on the train. You know what I'm talking about. What we're looking for, what God is looking for, is worshipers. Somebody say worshipers. Now look at John chapter 4, and I think you're all going to dig it. Look at John chapter 4, verse 1. The Pharisees heard that Jesus was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although, in fact, it was not Jesus who was baptizing, but his disciples. When the Lord learned this, he left Judea and went once more to Galilee. Now he had gone through Galilee, so he came near a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat by the well, and it was about the sixth hour. Now look at verse 7. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone on to the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, 
and he would have given you living water. Everyone say living water. Thank you. Look at verse 11. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well to drink from it himself, as, his, as did his son and his flocks and herds? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks the water from here will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Everyone say, never thirst. Thank you. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water. How many think that woman is pretty smart, right? Come on. She said, Give me that water, Jesus, so that I may not get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go call your husband and come back. This is when he gets into her business. He says, Go get your husband. And she says, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you've been hooking up with five other dudes, and the man you have now ain't your husband either. That's how I would have said it, but, you know, Jesus said a little bit more cooler than that. But that's what he was saying. She was hooking up, doing the freaky deaky. You know what I'm talking about. And what you have, and she says, what you have said is quite true. Oh, that's what he says to her. Now she says, sir. I can see that you are a prophet. How many would be freaked out right there if Jesus just talked to you about your sex life? Yes, indeed. Okay, she said, our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you, the Jews, claim that there is a place, the place we must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus declared, believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know. For salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Everybody say, true worshipers. Amen. Amen. We'll worship the Father in spirit and truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is a spirit, and his worshipers must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I also, I also speak to you, I who speak to you, rather, am he. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for bringing us here. Amen. Teach us, God, what it means to be worshipers. Teach us why you went to meet this woman, how you loved her despite the things she was doing wrong. And what you were teaching her is also for us today. Let us fall in love with you and worship you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. That lengthy portion of Scripture can be summed up in a very simple story. It's called the woman at the well. Jesus was on a journey. He had left the city because they were harassing him and giving him a hard time. And he's like, dude, I'm getting out of here and finding somebody who will listen. Now, Jesus was a full-blood Jew. I am half Italian and half Polish. I, I don't have too much of a problem with that, you know. But when I meet my Polish people, they don't think I'm Polish and they don't respect me, okay. And I have to teach them. My last name is Borostik. Respect the Polish in me, all right? Because they're always just so different than me. But listen, when Jesus went to Samaria, he knew what he was doing. You know what they were? Half Jews and half Greeks. That was bad for them. Many Jewish people at that time were racist. And so if you had any other blood in you besides being a Jew, you were not cool to them. You were a second-class citizen. And so here Jesus does not give a rip or a flip about what they think about these people called the Samaritans. Jesus loves everybody. Somebody say he loves the world. So Jesus goes out of his way, sits down at the well, and he breaks the first rule by making contact with 
a half-breed Jew in the Jewish mind. He sits down with the Samaritan. He breaks the second rule. Is he, as a holy man in the Jewish mind, was never to talk to a woman. Women at that day were not to be respected as men. So you don't look them eye to eye. They keep their head down. You tell them what you need. You move on. All right? So Jesus breaks the second rule. He's going to talk to a woman even though he's a holy man. And the first thing he says to her is, will you give me something to drink? may not sound like a big deal to you, but right there and then this woman's kind of freaking out. Why is this Jew who's not supposed to be talking to women talking to me? Do you know why he was? Because he loved her. And he wanted her to be one of his disciples. He wanted her to feel his love. And so he didn't let any of the stereotypes get in the way. So he says, can you give me a drink of water? And they start talking. And then Jesus says, if you knew who I was, you would ask me for a drink of water. And what Jesus does at that moment is he takes the illustration of water and compares it to eternal life. He says that we're all dry in our souls. We're all thirsting. Some of us turn to sex, drugs, education, to our families, and our thirsty soul still wants more. And he says to her, if you knew who I was, you would be filled up and never thirst again. She then starts to kind of believe him, kind of still doubting. They talk a little bit about religion. And then he calls her out. He shows her that he knows everything about her. He says, okay, if you want the water I have, go get your husband. She's like, man, I don't have a husband. But you know what she had been doing? Having sex with five different men, either at the same time as a prostitute, so she was a dirty girl, or she was just doing what most people do these days, just have a relationship, get together, shack up, do the slang dangle, the funky chicken, whatever you want to call it. And then she moved on to another guy. And Jesus is like, girl, I know who you is. Now go get your husband. You know what? She starts to freak out and realizes he is a prophet. And then she says, okay, you're a prophet. What, what, else is, you, what else is about this? What are you going to tell me? And then he gives him this whole explanation. He says, it's not about being a Jew. It's not about being a Samaritan. And he points out the most important words of this passage. And he says, believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. So there was this place where they could worship God there or go to their capital city, Jerusalem, where their big temple was. He says, you Samaritans worship what you don't know. So he's like saying, man, y'all don't really know what you're doing. And he says, we the Jews do know because salvation is from the Jews. But now look at verse 23. He says, yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. So right here what he says to her is, God wants you to worship him. He's looking for a true worshiper. Have you ever thought about living for Christ as worshiping him? Or have you only thought about it like Ten Commandments? I talk to a lot of people that come to church and they're like, yeah, I'm a Christian. And you ask them why. And they'll say, well, because I don't kill anybody. Well, man, that's, that's really cool because then everybody's a Christian and that doesn't kill anybody, right? You know, I don't kill anybody. I, I love when people say that. I'm like, neither do I. Did you think I did before I was a Christian and I needed some help with that? And then, like, you know what it's really them trying to do? It's like, you know what, I, I'm a good person. You know, a lot of people think they're good people. But you know what you, you know what you need to do to help somebody realize if they're a good person, if you ever hear this little side note right here, is you need to ask them this question. You ever told a lie? And if they say, yeah, I've told a lie, ask them, what does that make you if you tell a lie? What does that make somebody if they tell a lie? A liar. And then ask them this question. You ever taken something that didn't belong to you? And if they say yes, say, what does that make you? And that makes them a thief. 
And then the Bible says, if you take his name in vain, I ask them, have you ever taken the Lord's name in vain? And they'll say, oh, yeah, I think I did that. And they don't usually know this word. It's a big word, and it doesn't sound cute, and it definitely doesn't make them look like a good person. I say, you know what that makes you? A blasphemer. So according to God's standard, you've already broken three commandments. You're a liar, a thief, and a blasphemer. So stop trying to pretend you're good. You know, Jesus knew that the woman wasn't good. Let's just be honest. You let us all get by ourselves long enough, we're going to start breaking some commandments. If you take away the law, I've been to ten Mardi Gras, I've preached the gospel on the streets of the biggest parties. You take away a little bit of the supervision of the law, girls going wild, start flashing, guys start getting drunk, people start stealing, and you know what you have done in dark, secret places when no one else was looking. You know the thoughts that you've had, you know the things that you've done. And Jesus knew who that woman was, so he doesn't come up to her and say, you know who God is looking for? He's looking for good people who don't murder anybody. Are you one of those good people who don't murder anybody? Because God's looking for you. No, 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 no. He says, time's coming where the true worshipers worship the Spirit and Father and in truth. And these are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. So let's not try to pretend you're so good. Let's just bring it down to what Jesus said. Are you a worshiper? Do you even know what worship is? Do you even know what he's talking about right here? Now, let me give you a hint. He's not talking about you praying the things that most of us pray. Some of us think of worship as the same as like prayer. And let me tell you how most of of, of young adults and most people's prayer time is. It's like this. God, I need a new car. And Lord, I'm having problems paying my bills. I could use your help there. And oh Lord, yeah, there's this big test I have coming up. Could you please help me with that test? That's how most people's prayers are. Don't lie. You know what I'm talking about right before you take that test. You know what? God doesn't call that worship. You know what worship is? It's about Him. The word worship really means to bow down. It's the Greek word prostenehu. And it's where we get the word to prostrate ourselves. When you would come before a king and you would worship him, and it would really uh, be dependent on your life, because if you didn't, he would kill you and you would disrespect him. They would prostrate themselves before the king, lay down and say, King, You're worthy. I honor you. Do I have permission to even talk to you? Then the king would stretch out his scepter, and he would say, yeah, you can come and talk to me. If he didn't even give the scepter, you could die. That's where this word comes from. Proskuneu is Greek for to prostrate. What what Jesus is saying here is the Father is looking for people who prostrate their lives before him. Just lay out your life before God. Let me help some of you out right here. Worship is more than singing a song. Because I can get a dog to make some noise, but it's still a dog at the end of the day. Hello? And we can get sinners to sing in the choir, to raise up their hands, say, thank you, Jesus. Y'all look at me like I'm crazy. You know what I'm talking about. You've been to churches. They're clapping, singing in the choir. They're like, oh, I feel Jesus. And they're no more a Christian than I am the man on the moon. Because worshiping is more than just singing a song. He says, I'm... He says the Father's looking for true worshipers and they worship in spirit and in truth. And what does that mean? God is a spirit. And that's what that last part says. God's a spirit and his worshipers must worship in spirit and truth. So what God is looking for is the inner part of me. 
Now, I can raise my hands, and I ought to if I have them, out of just surrender and a public sign. That's kind of more for you and more for me to keep occupied. But what really God is looking for is, is on the inside, more than my hands, more than my voice, He's looking for me to say, I surrender all, I prostrate my life and put it at your feet. That's worship. He's looking for that. The second thing that Jesus says he's, uh, God is looking for is people who worship in truth. You know what truth is? It's the opposite of a lie. It's opposite of false. We have tests as we go to college, and, and, and my tests are really long. I have like these 100-word tests as I'm pursuing my master's in, uh, in, in theology, and now I'll get these 100-word questions, and it's like true or false. So when Jesus said that you have to worship him in truth, that means that there's something that's false. And, and that means today that there's probably maybe half and half in here. There's probably some of you that are true and there's some of you that may be false. So let's start with what false is. False would be worshiping God when you know that there's sin in your heart, you've broken his commands, but yet you're just going to sing some words and you think that that's all he means. No, he's asking for more than that. When you begin to prostrate your life and Sing songs to him. He wants you to be honest with who you are. A false way of worship is to look at worship as a place. Like I come to church and I worship God. I, I you know, put on this CD in my home and I worship God. No. Jesus is looking for true worshipers, and that means they're true through and through every day of their life. When they're on their job, they're worshiping God. How do they worship God on their job? They live a truthful life. They don't lie. They don't break the commandments. They help others. Everybody say spirit and truth. Now ask yourself this question. Am I a true worshiper? Are you somebody today that's worshiping God? Not, are you somebody who's not murdering? Okay. How many here have ever committed murder? Okay, you're good. Okay. Hats off to you, okay? We will put you up for nomination for the next pope, okay? Because you're a great person. That's what we think, right? Okay, how many people here have ever murdered anybody? Watch that again. Okay, but now watch. No hands between you and God. How many of you have prostrated your life before God this week in total truth and surrender? Yeah. Those raising your hands, a little prideful. Didn't want you to raise your hands. No hands raised. You and God. See? This woman, bad girl. Jesus says, I can deal with that. I want to worship her. Guess what? This guy, bad boy, sold drugs, got arrested. Okay? That was my life. Maybe you weren't that bad. Maybe you were a little cuter than me. Okay? Good for you. But I did bad stuff. But you know what Jesus said to me? I want to worship her, Joe. I want somebody that will come and worship me. Somebody that will lay out their life and say, my life is not most important right now. It's your life, and I want to live for you. To be truthful. To do what God has commanded me to do. All of those commandments are good things, and we ought not to murder. And also to help some of you out, the Bible actually defines murder as being angry at another person as well. And I think if we were then judged by that standard, we would all have to raise up our hands and our feet and are like, yeah, I was all angry up today at my family and my, the traffic. Yeah, I've probably done that spiritual murder a whole bunch. But you know what? I ask God for forgiveness, and I say in my heart, I will worship you. Let's all stand to our feet today. Josh, would you just come forward? Father God, we came to this service tonight, obviously, because there's a reason that we're here, because we believe in you. Most people, I'm sure, here today believe in you. 
Lord, for those that don't believe in you, I pray that you help them out. Show them a sign. Strike them with lightning. Do something to help them out. We don't want them to go to hell. Neither do you. But Lord, for those that just came here and they, they have maybe just an ounce of faith, a mustard seed of faith, Lord, we can work with them tonight. And God, that's what that woman had. That woman had just a little bit of faith. She didn't really have it all together. She wasn't very religious. She was definitely busy doing other things than reading her Bible throughout the week. You didn't excuse it and say it wasn't a big deal, but you told her there was something important for her to do and that she could do it, and that was worship you. So, Lord, right now in this place with every head bowed and eyes closed, I pray tonight that, Lord, we'll have some worshipers raise up in this church building right now as the church. That, God, that some who came here today... And they've been thinking to themselves, hey, I'm a pretty good Christian because I don't murder anybody. God, I pray that they'll see that there's so much more to living for you than just not murdering people. That, Lord, today they'll learn to worship you, to prostrate their life before you and keep your word in truth. Lord, I pray today for my Christian that may be like me. Twelve years I've been loving you and worshiping you. And they may have came here tonight and they just love you and they're living holy. And God, they just are so happy to be here tonight. Lord, I pray that even as Josh worships and I worship with them, that they today get deeper in your spirit. That they today, with myself, don't get satisfied with how good it was yesterday worshiping you. That today, Lord, they want to go deeper with you. They want more of you, Jesus. Oh, God, if you were just to be compared to an ocean, I'm sure most of us here don't even have a bottle of water filled of your spirit. And God, there's a whole ocean of you. You are eternal. You're so big. We're so small. How can we ever get bored with worshiping you? There's so much to worship. Your love, your grace, your forgiveness, your kindness, your compassion. So tonight, whether this is just someone for the first time learning what it is to worship, or someone for the thousandth time, God, I pray we all worship. Now, as Josh begins to give us the the song and the karaoke screen comes up, I want to challenge you just right now where you are to worship Him for yourself. Maybe you can put it to a melody. Maybe you can't. It really doesn't matter. But why don't you let words come out of your heart that express how much you love Him? I'll give you a few moments. Oh, Jesus. So awesome, God. You're so beautiful. Oh, God, thank you. Thank you for your joy. Thank you for joy, God. You fill me up every day, Lord. Thank you. Jesus, thank you for your peace. You're the Prince of Peace, Jesus. Yes, you are. You're my Prince of Peace. You say, welcome, Lord. Oh, God, thank you for freedom. Thank you, God, that I've been drug free for 12 years. I never want to take that for granted. Thank you today that my wife and I, God, are pregnant, Lord. How great that is. You're awesome. Thank you, Jesus.